when it rains, it pours. Obviously, you have the fifth estate and then the Globe and Mail and then the Toronto Star. And we had the same thing in the US with the New York Times and then a few others that came up with negative articles. And, and the negative media coverage often penetrates not just one area, but permeates into a whole bunch of areas and then talks about how the legalization of sports betting will will lead to more corruption by pointing to some match fixing that took place way back when. And you got to take all of it with a grain of salt. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on LinkedIn Audio. Follow Steve on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Welcome back, everybody. It's Thursday, January 19th. Appreciate all of you joining us for the latest edition of the Gaming News Canada show. I'm your host, Steve McAllister. Jam-packed show this week. Thrilled to have a couple of special guests with us. Sue Schneider, the Vice President of Growth and Strategy Americas for, for SBC. Benji Cherniak, the, the head honcho of Grand Puba, guru of Avenue H Capital. Uh, we're going to get Benji and Sue on the show in a few minutes here. But I want to walk through a few headlines before that. As I mentioned off the top, just uh, an, another really uh, insanely busy week in the in the sports betting and gaming industry, especially in, in Canada. We're going to get into this a little bit later in the program. Really busy week of coverage from mainstream media outlets in this country. A lot of people on the forum will be familiar with uh, with the Fifth Estate report last week on, on the sports betting industry with a heavy focus around sports betting advertising since the opening of the Ontario market last April. Brian Massey, the Windsor Member of Parliament from the NDP party, and really the guy who led the charge on Parliament Hill to uh, to get Bill C-218 passed and, and legalize single event sports betting in this country, came out this week to express his frustration with athletes past and present doing sports betting ads, is asking for a clampdown on that. You may have seen a, an op-ed from Bruce Kidd, a member of the Canadian sport community for, for decades, who expressed his disgust might be too harsh a word, but obviously isn't a fan of legalized sports betting in this country. The one thing I will say to that is I uh, think when you, when you see someone questioning gambling and relating it to the purity of sport i think that boat is long sail we have actually have bigger issues in this country right now where their national sports system and sports gambling that has very little to do with that fifth estate report sean fitzgerald the the reporter for the athletic did a q a with bob McEwen, the cbc reporter who did that investigation uh, that's in the newsletter as well. Breaking news this morning that uh, the UFC made a couple of announcements. One that has come out with a, a new policy for um, for fighters and, and other stakeholders in, in the organization around uh, around betting. It also announced a partnership with the U.S. and Integrity to, to monitor possible match fixing. And uh, those two announcements seem to have satisfied the Alcohol and Gaming Commission in Ontario as they came out. Wagering will now uh, will now resume on UFC fights. So Ontario operators can, can now offer wagering on UFC fights. And finally, just uh, yesterday, we mentioned it in the newsletter, and I spoke with Jeremy Luke from the Canadian Centre for Ethics and Sport, which announced an expanded hotline for anonymous reports. Uh, that hotline up until now has been heavily focused around around doping or possible doping infractions. They're now providing a forum for people who might think there's some suspicious betting activity or, or something that compromises integrity of sports. So that hotline now now allows people to, to phone in that information uh, without giving their names. Uh, we'll get into those issues a little bit later in the hour, as I mentioned. 
Anyway, I, I want to introduce guest Sue Schneider up here first. And Sue, it was uh, our week got off to a good start with Gaming News Canada. Uh, we announced a partnership with, with SBC, which uh, for the people here that, who don't know what SBC does, operators and owners of, I think, the best gaming conferences on the planet. And uh, having had a chance to attend uh, two SBC Summit North America now in, in Secaucus, New Jersey, uh, SBC has also taken over management of the uh, Canadian Gaming Summit. Thank you and, and Bob McFarland, Christian Rebellino, and everybody else at SBC for, for uh, agreeing to this partnership. And uh, I'll turn over to you, maybe explain a little bit what SBC does and, and why this partnership with us uh, made some sense to you. Sure. Uh, well, we're really pleased to have the, have the partnership. You guys uh, put out some great content and um, I, I find your writing style Great to, great to read, so that's fun. Um, the uh, SBC it actually started out, I don't know, I think now 12 years ago in the UK as sports betting community. And it was it was initially started as just kind of a informal way for folks in that, in, that side of the industry to get together. And over the years, it's grown and morphed and is now, again, one of the leading uh, events uh, and uh, media companies. Uh primarily looking at sports betting and iGaming, although we're broadening that as we go along. And particularly in Canada, SBC uh, closed on the deal to purchase Canadian Gaming Summit late last year. So last year we went up and, and saw how it's been done and uh, we're kind of putting our own touches on it uh, for June of this year. Um, so it's it should be fun. Hey, Sue, I just, you know, I, Bob McFarland, who we've had a chance to spend some time with at, at various conferences over the last two years. I mean, we often, you know, we joke about SBC, about the, you know, the, the perks that come with that. And that's, you know, the great big chocolate chip cookies that suddenly appear on the conference floor in the afternoon or the, or the ice cream, uh, <laughs> the ice cream stands or whatever. Um, but maybe just talk a little bit about, about the evolution and how the conference began with a heavy focus on sports betting and gaming and how that's kind of morphed over time. Well, um, you know, what's happened particularly on this side of the pond uh, is that the way a lot of things have turned out, um, you know, for example, in the U S a lot of the um, licensees that have now come into sports betting or iGaming were initially kind of limited to land-based folks other than some, skins that might be uh, mobile only companies. So, uh, you know, by nature of that, it's it's the basically the same kind of operators. It's the land-based operators who have had to learn uh, themselves on how to get into the iGaming side it, or, um, you know, to be able to at least deal with any of the mobile um, services as they're able to expand into that. Again, I think we're up to like 32 states that have now legalized uh, Sports betting, and I think we're at seven or so that have legalized internet gaming in terms of casino games. So uh, that's been a big learning curve for those folks, and and uh, it's been interesting to watch because you know again, in Europe it's kind of been the opposite where it, it grew up out of, out of the mobile operators, mobile only. Hey Sue, but we, for the people that, that that join us here on LinkedIn Audio on Thursday afternoons who maybe haven't attended an SBC conference, can you can you maybe give them a high level sense of of what they'll see if, if they show up at the Metro Toronto Convention Center in June? Sure. Um, I, I think the two uh, leading things that SBC is known for is, one, they have really strong content on the conference side, a really good trade show. 
also, but, um, but love to do some really fun networking stuff. We really kind of blew ourselves out of the water to a certain extent because it's kind of hard to follow, uh, you know, an activation at MetLife Stadium two years ago right. um, where you could get out on the field, you could kick field goals, catch punt, catch punt returns, passes, that sort of thing. And I tell you, you know, I think I watched two weeks worth of uh, social media on people out there. And one woman that I know was out there kicking a field goal with high heels on. So that whole comment about uh, women do it uh, the same as men and, and then high <laughs> heels was actually accurate on that one. So that was kind of fun. But we do like to have a good time. We just did our LATAM event in Miami in November, and we were able to do a similar thing at uh, Marlin Stadium. So, uh, you know, those kind of things just really make for for good networking and a fun experience, too. And I think the other thing is that we tend to be pretty much all inclusive, as we've come to call ourselves. So it's like one one fee to get in, and it covers absolutely everything. Um, I always try to tell people, don't get all booked up with with, you know, other things at night because you'll miss out. Right. Absolutely. And, and Sue, I, I assume you, you have a soft spot for, for Canadians. I mean, you, uh, both you and Paul Burns were inducted on the same evening into the Sports Betting Hall of Fame last summer at, at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. Uh, Benji Cherniak, who I'm sure, sure you've known for a while now, Benji's a, na- a native Montrealer. Uh, I know you've spent time with with people like Amanda Brewer and, and Shelley White at, at various conferences. So uh, it, it, I'm I'm thinking that coming for you, for you to come to uh, Toronto, it's almost a bit of a home game. Well, it is because I, I have you know I have a past life doing things similar to SBC. Uh, in the iGaming realm. And we ran conferences in Canada because, you know, the U.S. was phobic about it at that point in time. Um, And Canada was quite the hub. So from 99 through 2009, uh, most of those were either in Montreal or Toronto. The very first one was in Vancouver. So uh, it's like coming home for me. It's, It's a lot of fun up there. Hey Benji, I want want to get you in here, and and uh, Sue and I were were emailing each other back and forth uh, leading up to the show, and and I said said to Sue that there's got to be a story of, of the first time the two of you met, and and Sue was joking that she's too she's too old to remember. remember <laughs> I'm that, old, which I, which I don't believe <laughs> I believe for a second, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot, Benji, and, and see if you can re- recall the first time you and Sue ran into each other. You know what? I I actually can't. It's going to go back. Ah, over. so you're old too. Yeah, it's going to go back well over. You know, you're going back 15 years or whatever it is when we met. Uh, probably at one of the conferences. Yeah, probably at a Gigsy. Probably a Gigsy or something like that. But I'll, I'll make a comment as well on the on the SBC conferences and 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 the upcoming conference in Toronto. Obviously, the annual event in Canada is already a a, a known entity and a going concern. And I think that to add the caliber of SBC's event management and partner that into the mix is going to make it clearly the leading show in Canada. And I think that, you know, for those of us that were there last year, I remember there were kind of two things going on at the same time. I think with what we have this year with SBC's involvement, uh, it'll be, I I think, a blockbuster of a show in Canada. And, you know, when when you talk about SBC, you know, that it goes back now, Goodness. Uh, one of the things that I really like about the SBC events is that to me, there's an authenticity to it. And when, when SBC began out, it wasn't an events management company uh, the way it is now. So as you would know, this is procedure involvement. It was kind of, you know, Rasmus started it out as kind of just people getting together uh, within the sports betting realm. 
and and then it, it just kind of morphed into their initial event that they did in Europe, and then it became an annual event in Europe, and then two events a year in Europe, and then the U.S. opened up, and now really, you know, if not the leading events management company in the space, certainly one of. And uh, but there's still an authenticity to it that I think makes the events really special, and really looking forward to what you have coming up in Toronto. Yeah, Benji, and so I'll just mention, too, for the people listening today, we've got quite a few people listening, so thank you for joining us. If you have, if you do have a question for Sue or Benji, and I'm hoping that they're both going to be able to stay with us for the, for the whole hour, just uh, just raise your hand and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll get you in here to ask, ask that question. Benji, I, I, I remember going to my first SBC North America Summit in December 2021 and, and finding it a little bit uh overwhelming you know just the, the number of exhibits the, the the people everything going going on there what's the best advice you would give to someone who who's going to who's attending this kind of a summit for the first time i think sue hit on it a bit earlier when she talked about some of the networking events that they do i think one of the strengths certainly if you're like a first timer attending an sbc event for the first time you, you obviously want to attend the conference itself and you want to gather in some of the speakers and and, and, and hear some of the fantastic content that will be delivered in, in, in Toronto in June. But by the same token, I don't know specifically what, uh, Sue, you guys have up your sleeve as it pertains to networking events, but it's just a great chance uh, to get out and meet different people. And look, it, it's still a relatively small industry, despite the fact that when you attend those first New Jersey events, it can seem a little bit overwhelming. But I think most of us in the industry are pretty down to earth. We're pretty inclusive. Um, I think we're all pretty collaborative. And I think the name of the game in our space is, you know, bringing new people in, new ideas and, and finding ways to collaborate and do, and do things together. So I think that attending some of the networking events and getting out of your comfort zone a bit, not being shy, introducing yourself to people that you want to meet. If you see someone speaking on a panel and you like what they had to say and an idea spurns from it, go ahead and introduce yourself to that person and tell them what you think and what you thought of the panel and have a conversation. And I think that sometimes gets the ball rolling. Yeah, Sue, any other thoughts on that? Well, you know, you asked what we have up our sleeve. We are checking into a couple of things that would be kind of fun. And I will just throw out one word that might be a possibility, and that's curling. <laughs> yeah, so don't, when don't, forget in don't forget your broom. Don't forget your broom. I'll bring my broom and I'll, I'll start practicing right now. We'll get on the ice. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if it comes together. Hey, Sue and Benji, I, I want to ask you in a second about just what you see around the industry right now. But but Benji, I, I'd love to hear kind of what you're up to these days. I mean, you wear a bunch of different hats. You're you're an investor. You're uh, you know you're an advisor. You sit on sit on boards. Um, are there a couple of projects that you're particularly uh, immersed in right now? Yeah, as you allude to, I'm involved in quite a few things, and 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 really, you know. Uh, having spent uh, in my previous life in the space, I was with Don Best for so many years and was kind of a one trick pony as it pertained to to building up that company. And, you know, for the last two years, since I've been uh, parted ways with Don Best, I've had a bit of freedom on my end to just get involved in a bunch of different things. And there really, to be honest, Steve, has been not that much strategy, rhyme or reason to the projects I've got involved in other than I'm getting involved in projects that I want to get involved in. So, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, working with you guys at Parlay and, 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 and having an involvement there or, 
you know, I think that a lot of my expertise uh, comes on the B2B side and providing product to sportsbook operators. So, you know, I'm working with a number of companies uh, in, in that capacity. I guess one of the newer companies that I've kind of come under their wing and begun working with is a company. I love the name. It's called Zero Flux, F-L-U-C-S. And they're pretty dialed into the creating technology and product for, for same game parlays and, and, and multis and just the entire parlay space and combination bets and uh, some really good technology there that we're now beginning to, to do some deals with some of the sports books initially where they are from in Australia and now here in the US. So that's one that I'm spending a bit of time with these days. I'm also spending a fair bit of time with a company called Odds Jam, which is a, a combination of uh, B2C product that you may have seen out there being used. So probably one of the, the largest subscription bases on the B2C side in our industry and now migrating on the B2B side and providing a whole bunch of uh, sports betting and, and parlay content to, to operators. And we're seeing a really nice response from the operators that we've, that we've dealt with thus far. So those are a couple. Um, I guess I'll stop there for now. Hey, so I want to get back to you for a second, and, and I appreciate your the, the kind words earlier about the about the newsletter. And um, you know, I just want to throw it right back at you and, and the job that SBC does covering this industry. And, and again, for for people, if you're you know if you're not getting the newsletter, we we do uh, we do point an awful lot of SBC comment uh, every week. And if not, just go to the SBC um, Amer- SBC America's website and. Uh, Jessica Wellman and, and Ted Menmuir, Ted Orm Clay, uh, Charlie Horton, Air Marie Gallagher. I mean, the editorial team at SBC does a does a wonderful job. Um, so when you look at what's going on in North America right now, and, and again, it's been an interesting week here here in Canada. And, and uh, I think both you and Ben, you would agree that that every industry goes through growing pains in the beginning. And, and this is still a very young industry here in Ontario and in Canada in terms of uh, a regulated environment. What do you kind of see, Sue, as as the opportunities for the gaming industry in North America over the next, you know, twelve to twelve to twenty four months? It, it is beginning to sift out a little bit, and and I think the advertising, which I think we'll, we're going to be talking about here, is is a function of of that because there's just been this this gold rush mentality and and trying to get market share. But you know, I think the thing that's been the most interesting to me, and it kind of tails back to what. Uh, what Benji was talking about in terms of the startups that, that are out there and the ideas that are out there and the young people that are coming in. I mean, I, I'd say over the last year, I've met more 20-somethings that have some tremendous ideas for this industry. And um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and one of the things I would add is that we uh, have run uh, what we call First Pitch, a startup competition in New Jersey twice. We're going to bring that to Toronto and um, and oddly enough, I think the two that we ran in New Jersey both had Canadian companies. So, um, yes. you know, there, there's a wealth of information there uh, and, and a lot of innovation going on. Benji? We were asking a bit earlier about, you know, what do we see coming up in the next year, two years, and looking ahead at the Canadian market and the North American market as a whole, and Sue's commentary on having met so many 20-somethings that have different ideas. And I think I'll double down on that a little bit in that... I, I, I think that the sportsbook experience of tomorrow 
will ultimately deviate to some extent from the sports betting experience that we see today and the iGaming experience that we see today. And that's just a natural evolution. And, you know, look, I, I, I'm of the belief that real money gaming isn't one size fits all and, and sports betting isn't one size fits all. And the idea of minus seven and plus seven, obviously there's always going to be a segment of the population that, that, that wants to bet uh, in, in the traditional manner. But I think that the interesting dynamic that we're seeing now, and I think this is a year that it's going to kind of come out of the woodwork a little bit in the U.S. and in turn in Canada is the evolution of companies that are led by entrepreneurs that view the sports gaming experience in a bit of a different way, whether it's companies that are geared more to financial trading uh, you think of a company like a sport trade that is geared more to high frequency traders. And I think that's an underserved segment of today's betting population or whether it's a company like, you know, Jake Paul and Joey Levy with better that are kind of targeting an audience that isn't currently being targeted in their view in the sports betting realm. And, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg with a few of the companies that are being launched now, but, you know, beyond that, you got a bunch of 20-somethings. And, you know, the real innovation, uh, Sue, I'm sure you would agree, it's not going to come from people like myself and yourself. It's going to come from, you know, a 17-year-old who's sitting in his parents' basement right now and who grew up in a different world than you and I did and views the world in a different way and is more in tune with what that next generation of, of sports consumers is looking for from an engagement standpoint. And, those are, I think, you know, we see the tip of it now with companies like Underdog and like Lucra and a host of others. But I think that that's going to continue to be a trend moving forward. Yes, yeah, dude. Did you want to add to that? No, I think uh, I think you were right on with that. I, I just think, you know, again, what we're going to see in the next five years is it's, we can't even anticipate it right now. Yeah, Benji, and I would add to that, too. And we had this conversation last week and, and the week before that is that the this this integration of of sports betting content into sports media that that's a work in progress and and again i think we've you know we haven't even come close to uh to to getting to the place that we'll eventually get to with with uh you know the kind of programming that isn't going to turn off sports fans and and will actually add add value to uh to either game broadcast or, or preview shows or highlight shows and i think yeah, even I mean, the teams in the leagues are looking mind. at that too but, you know, the teams and leagues are looking for fan engagement tools. So a lot of times that's where there's an overlap. They see this as part of that. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Sue. And again, if you look, uh, you know, for example, in in our people on the move section in the newsletter this week, we, we mentioned Kenny Gersh having a new role at MLB. And Kenny's been one of the guys mm -hmm. who, who got Major League Baseball uh, on board in the sports betting side after uh, after PASPA was overturned in, in 2018, and you know the PGA Tour has done some cool stuff with with partners, including uh, including PointsBet, and and uh, you know we've even seen it here in uh, in Canada to some extent with the reaction that the score got last summer from from doing the the Skyline Seats activation at the at the RBC Canadian Open and. So, uh, you know, the FanDuel relationship with TSM, which we, we've talked about on the program before. So I think, Benji, you're right that there are a lot of different segments of the industry that, that are going to continue to evolve. And in North America, it was still a very new market. I, I hadn't heard that Kenny Gersh has a new role in MLB, so I'm glad I joined the show today. I'll, 
be sure to send them a congratulatory note. Sue, so I wanted to get you on this topic too, and, and something that we, we leaned into really heavily last week with, with Shelly White from the Responsible Gambling Council, Amanda Brewer, who's a, usually with us on LinkedIn Auto every week, but Amanda's enjoying a well-deserved vacation this week. And uh, we also had Kelly Brooks from Quarter Four on the program. And and it's just, and I know you've been a, a leader in this, and, and that's that's women in this industry. And, and it's a topic that um, I've, I've covered myself in both the newsletter and, and for the Toronto Star over the past two years. And um, I'd love to get your sense because you're, pro- you're probably a bit of a pioneer in this regard. Just your, your thoughts on, on the, you know, the evolution of, of, of where women belong and where women are finding opportunities in this industry. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long haul and we still have a long way to go, but it, it is getting better. I mean, I don't know if, uh, if you're familiar with Kelly Ken, who is a co-founder of All in Diversity Project, but she and I about two years ago uh, convened. Uh, we do this several times a year on Zoom, um, a, a women's CEO group. And we are now we have now identified 60 totally globally in the industry. So, I mean, that's still a pretty small number, but um, it's it's growing. So, um, you know, that part has been really fun. And we have some great conversations uh, about a variety of topics. And we actually are getting folks together over at ICE in a couple weeks, uh, physically. So uh, it's going to be fun. But yeah, I I think the support is there. Uh, Times have changed enough where there is more sensitivity to that. So you're seeing more uh, board um, appointments and things like that. So we're getting there. We're getting there. And Benji, I mentioned to Kelly last week, I, I believe you moderated the panel at, S, at SBC um, last summer in New Jersey, where Kelly was part of a panel on, on startups. And, uh, you know, you could really you could really see that there was a, a, a real respect from the from the men on that panel for what Kelly and Daniela Kovach had, had achieved. And again, I'm sure you've seen a, a bit of a shift in the dynamic with regards to women in the industry. Yeah, to be perfectly honest with you, like, uh, I think we're at a stage now where, where, uh, to to, to your point, there still is a long way to go. But at least from my perspective, uh, I don't even really think about it. Like if it's a woman entrepreneur who's leading a great company versus a male entrepreneur leading a great company, you know, the highest paid CEO in our space, uh, Bet365 is a female um, so, so times have certainly changed from where they were when we got into the industry, uh, you know, a couple of decades ago. Hey, uh, Sue and Benji, quickly, and I'll start with you, Sue. Like, what is there? What would be the one or two challenges that you see for this industry right now? Like, are there a couple of a couple of big uh, big ticket items that that the industry in both Canada and the U.S. have to have to deal with in the short term? Well, I think one from the operator side has to do with regulatory issues, to be honest. Um, You know, the fact that we have all these different jurisdictions and you have more operators and suppliers that are in uh, multiple jurisdictions. I mean, you you know, you see the growth of there are four or five companies out there now that deal with nothing but compliance issues. I mean, it's a whole service industry that's grown up around it. And it's something that I think uh, with better cooperation and better tools in the regulatory community that they could help minimize uh, the 
the pain points both for them and for the for the licensees. So that's one. But I do think the other topic that I think we're going to be talking about is advertising. And that's concerned me really for the last few years. Um, again, I started in 95 in this industry and I watched as particularly in the UK and in Australia, they have, you know, government or quasi-governmental uh, standards organizations to look at advertising to where they're looking at every ad that goes out. Um, so, you know, I think that's where I think we need to learn some lessons from the alcohol industry or tobacco industry or things like that and be as responsible as we possibly can. We're already seeing that backlash. Canada is definitely seeing it, seeing it. The U.S. is seeing it. Um and I think we have a special issue here in the U.S. because in many states that have passed it, the industry was successful at getting promo credits as a, as a deduction. And so the net effect of that is that many states are not making near the tax revenue that they had hoped because there were no uh, limits on those on those tax deductions. So, I mean, to be cynical about it, these are like taxpayer-supported uh, advertising campaigns. So there is a tremendous backlash that is going to get let loose here soon. Um, I wish I knew the answer to it, but I, I think that's probably the top issue and has been a concern of mine for the last couple of years. It's just escalated. Benji, quick thoughts from you? Yeah, look, we'll probably end up getting into that topic because I know it's a topic du jour, especially in Canada, given a lot of the media coverage last week. But to Sue's earlier points as it pertains to the compliance challenges you know, I, I think it is a huge challenge for operators in the U.S. and will in turn become a huge challenge for operators in Canada as more and more provinces legislate and allow, you know, the various operators that are live in Ontario to enter their provinces is that, you know, you look at the U.S. right now and you almost have to look at each individual state as a separate country the way you do in Europe, where if you're operational in Italy and you want to go into Germany, there's a whole different regulatory regime in Germany versus in Italy. And, you know, some countries in, in, in Europe will allow a certain number of operators and this many licenses and will charge this much in tax. And it's really very much the same way currently in, in, in the U.S. And obviously, we're, we're not uh, quite there yet in Canada in terms of the number of provinces. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think it is a huge challenge, not just as it pertains to 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 to, to managing each regime and, and, and making the adjustments required in each given regime or each given state or province, but not being able to pool the liquidity becomes challenging from an operational standpoint as well. Yeah, and Sue, to your point about the the tax uh, about the bonus credits, you know, we we had a story from uh, from your Charlie Horner this week that mentions that. You know, Maryland, uh, the, the new online sports market in Maryland generated $500 million in handle for December, and that only produced $45,000 in taxes. So I think that's that's the kind of thing that gets radar up with, with people watching this industry when you when you see that low a number with, with, as far as taxes are concerned. Yeah, especially because I think uh, in many cases we've got their expectations up uh, with, you know, I, I don't know how studies that <laughs> give you anticipated tax revenue for a jurisdiction are actually implemented. But, uh, you know, when you throw out a number and that that's what they're expecting and you're seeing some states, I believe Virginia was one. There might be another one out there that have already come in now and instituted some ceilings on that. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be 
probably what's going to be happening in those new states. Like I'm in Missouri. We're, we're going to have hearings again. Right. Uh, we're five years into this now, but I, I know that's going to come up. Um, so, uh, you know, that's the kind of uh, thing that I think the industry, one thing I'll say, because I, I, we had an interactive gaming council here in the U S and I chaired that from like 96 to, I don't know, 2000 or something and trying to get the industry to come together on issues is like you know herding cats um and i would hope that this would be one where for our own good that we can we can come together and figure out how to handle this advertising issue because it's just going to turn around and bite us in the butt if it it doesn't we're going to end up seeing the same kind of like you know in the uk they have advertising standards agency or whatever it's called there's got a similar one in uh in uh, Australia. So, I mean, we're going to get a heavy hand if we can't figure out how to handle this ourselves. That's a perfect segue, uh, Sue. So why, why don't we get into that topic? And and uh, we devoted the, the, a pretty good chunk at the top of the newsletter to it uh, to it this morning. And, and uh, you know, beginning with the Ipsos Reid poll that, that uh, you know, Ipsos surveyed, I think, 2,000 Canadians and Almost half of them said that they were fed up with with the amount of average sports betting and gaming advertising that they're they're seeing on on television. Um, Gavin Roth and Mike Day, you'll you'll probably want to get in on on this as well. Um, and Sue, as you mentioned, uh, there are countries we already know uh, Spain and in in Portugal and Australia they they have taken action to to limit place limits on sports betting and. And take away the ability of, of soccer teams, for example, to put uh, put sportsbook operators logos on on jerseys. Benji, just just further what Sue had to say, like, is there is there an easy solution here? Is it is it as simple as the industry getting together and saying, "Hey, guys, that we need to get our we need to get our stuff together here and and uh, and pair it back." So, uh, a couple of general comments. Uh, the first is that when it rains, it pours, and Obviously, you have the fifth estate and then the Globe and Mail and then the Toronto Star. And, you know, we, we had the same thing in the U.S. with the New York Times and then a few others that came up with negative articles. And, you know, the, the, the negative articles often and the negative media coverage often penetrates not just one area, but permeates into a whole bunch of areas and then talks about how the legalization of sports betting will, will lead to more corruption by pointing to some match fixing that took place way back when and, you got to take all of it with a grain of salt, but but coming to Sue's point as it pertains to the advertising, I, I remember coming back to the previous uh, back in June when I was attending the the the, the conferences in Toronto back in June, uh, which was what so two months after after sports betting was legislated in Ontario, and, yes. and just going out and you know being from Canada and having a bunch of friends in Toronto and having lived there for a bunch of years and just getting together with friends of mine and having a drink in advance of that conference and unilaterally almost every single one of them said the exact same thing to me which is that they were fed up then <laughs> and they were only two months into it and I had about two or three people say to me that their stance on it is that they're just going to continue to bet with the gray market because the regulated market is bombarding them with ads to an extent that it's annoying them when they're trying to watch a, a Raptors game or a Leafs game. And, and that was back in, and I, I, I mean, I don't know if I shared that with you, Steve, but I shared it with a number of people at the conference at that time, that that was the feedback that I was getting, not from one or two people, but from virtually everyone that I know that's a sports fan. So 
I, I, the only thing that surprises me about the report is that only 50% of the people find the amount of advertising they're being bombarded with <laughs> when they're watching these games on TV annoying. I, I, I'm surprised it's about 80 or 90%. Hey, Gavin Roth, I'm going to get you in here, but just before that, I just want to mention that for the people listening here, that if you if you do have a question for Sue uh, or or uh, Benji, or, or if you want to if you want to comment on on what we're discussing, please just raise your hand and, and we'll get you uh, we'll get you in here. But I, Gavin, I know I know you have some thoughts on this because it's it's a topic that uh, we usually don't get through an hour on Thursday afternoons so without some mention of this. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you know, and I, whenever it comes up, I mean, listen, we have to be mindful of the fact that we are all close to this. We all work in the industry. So this is a biased um, set of eyes and ears in, in this uh, forum. But, um, you know, some I'm trying to be as objective as possible. And, you know, the last numbers I read about child obesity and overweight rates, it would said that 30 percent of children five to 17 are obese or overweight. And yet when you turn on the TV and do a count, I can guarantee you you'll see more fast food restaurant and high sugar, high fat food ads than you will see gambling ads. And, and nobody complains about that. And I would say that's more of, a, uh, of an issue than, um, than gambling in this country. Now, so I'll, I'll put I'll get off my soapbox and Lord knows I need to lose some weight as well. But um, when it comes to this, you know, we're we're less than a year in to a regulated market. Um, it's normal for a new industry brands in a new industry. It's, it's, a, it's an arms race, right? They're all trying to get as many customers as possible, but it's not sustainable. So I don't think, I think it is going to be self-regulated. I think it's going to, the numbers will gradually come down because some of those brands that don't have the financial wherewithal to continue at a pace that they've been going will, will pull back and do a lot more digital um, media. The big, big brands, the FanDuel's, um, you know, the... The you know the bet MGMs they're going to continue to spend I think but it, I think it's going to naturally feel like less and then what's going to be interesting as well is we're going to see um, more of them shift into creative ways to leverage their sports properties that don't all mean advertising so like Gronk and the Super Bowl with the FanDuel thing right they'll promote that but it's going to feel differently it's going to feel i think a little bit more fun and then the final thing i'll say is when it comes to sports we've been in a data age for a while now right uh, analytics you watch baseball you know there's so much advanced statistic um, information thrown at you and that's what betting information is it's data it's it's different way of looking at it so you know i think it's just if people look at it as just another form of data and information instead of betting, uh, maybe they'll view it differently. Hey, Mike Day, as, as someone who who worked in television for the better part of three three decades, um, I wonder too how much of this is not just the advertising, but again, it, it's um, it's it's the networks and and other media outlets trying to trying to integrate content in their programming, and I, I think sometimes that people. There's they don't discern between advertising and sports betting content on a on an NFL broadcast or an NA, or hockey night in Canada. They they just see it as one of one and the same. 
Yeah, great, great point, Stephen. I was going to comment on the heels of what Benji had said earlier when he remarked that uh, the Ipso poll that it said 50%, give or take, uh, had had their fill. I, I'm with Benji. I was actually shocked that that number was, uh, wasn't much higher. But I, I would ask the question within that poll would be to those folks who said 50% or whatever the actual number is who think uh, it's too much, are they talking about ads? Uh, in commercial breaks, or are they talking about content in game, pre-game, post-game intermissions, etc.? Or are they not distinguishing between the two? It's just an overload of gambling ads. Right, right. And sorry, Steve. Just uh, to yeah, pick up on Mike's comment, it, Mike, it, one of the interesting points of the the report was if you break down the forty eight percent of Canadians and uh, that say they agree and you go one layer lower or deeper, 31%, the vast majority of those, 31 points of that 48, so the majority say somewhat versus 17% say strongly. So I know the headline, right? Obviously in perception, we understand that is 50%, but really when you break it down, it's even further um, you know, watered down. It's not as dramatic as I think some of us felt the numbers might be. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not. Also, sh- oh, go ahead, Mike. No, I was I was going to just just follow up as uh, putting on my former producer and executive producer hat uh, back in the day. Listen, creating compelling content is a challenge at the best of times, regardless of what the of the topic du jour is. Um, and and they have to be, you know, the networks have to be mindful of the fact that the audience that you know a large percentage aren't better. So there's a real fine line that you have to walk on in terms of how much content you devote to the to the topic. And I think uh, Gavin was referencing analytics earlier. And, and I find some similarities there that I think in the early days, people were concerned that analytic talk and, and features and content would overwhelm the broadcast. And again, the vast majority just wanted to watch the broadcast. And I think the uh, for the most part, the broadcasters found a you know a good line to walk in terms of how much analytics to, to present and, and and not to go overboard but i think this, the simple difference is there were not necessarily advertising dollars sponsorship dollars supporting that area in analytics as opposed to the huge amount of dollars that are in supporting the gambling content right and, and sue i think i wonder if it uh, comes up in discussions that you have with people around the industry that you know, this uh, this isn't as black and white as, as blaming the sports betting industry, that you have media companies and, and social media companies that are coming out of a coming out of a devastating pandemic over two plus years that are looking for revenue streams. And, and this in, in a lot of respects, uh, this this industry was the golden goose. And, and so. Uh, I'm thinking on one hand, it's, it's a good thing in terms of it, it certainly helped, uh, it's helped uh, other industries rebound from the pandemic, but it also makes a, a little bit tougher in, time, in terms of hurting, uh, hurting the cattle to get everybody on the same page. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not much, I'm not very hopeful that we're going to be able to get everybody on the same page. So, but that's just me. That's coming from 27 years of trying to do that. <laughs> to be honest. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's the, the concern I have is we have to recognize we are a vice. We are like alcohol. We are like tobacco. We can look and see what's happened to them in terms of restrictions on them. Um, 
and and I I do think it will settle out. I think we're you know we're already in a, a bit of a shakeout period because there are some operators that are already getting out of it, uh, not just the advertising but actually shutting down. So you know that's going to probably continue. There's going to be some consolidation and uh, you know so it's it's um it's a I I wish I had a crystal ball to see exactly when and how this will shake out, but um, you know in the meantime we've we've got a weather through this negative uh, media on it and and again come up with some hopefully some some guidance and solutions for the operators in particular out there to do this with more sensitivity so that we don't get that backlash yeah and, and Benji I guess you know when you look at the this issue it, it may be uh, it may be smallish potatoes when you when you compare it to the fact that you know, Ontario, that we do have a regulated industry in Ontario. It, it's a wide open industry. There's there's an awful lot of benefits to, to regulation and for customers to, to have choice. So is, is that something that we, we need to keep in mind when we, you know, when we get a week like this where, where the, the spot, the flashlight shines a little brighter on the industry? Yeah, look, I mean, you got to take the big picture and the long game approach and I don't I don't typically disagree with Sue because I agree with almost everything she has to say all the time, but I don't necessarily agree that our industry is is or is necessarily viewed as a vice by most, uh, despite some negative media attention this week. You know, I think that, you know, eye gaming and, and sports betting is a form of on the sports betting side, it's a form of sports engagement. And I think that, you know, if you look at the US and Canada maybe 10 years ago, maybe it was viewed negatively then, you know, sports betting was a bad word. If you told your parents you're going to go work for a sports betting company, they might think you're going to work for a bookie who breaks somebody's legs. But, uh, you know, there's been a cultural change now. And I think it's more culturally acceptable. And yeah, there's too many ads right now. And to, to Gavin's point, that'll sort itself out uh, organically. Or, or via legislation, if not organically, over the long haul. But I think that the overall perception of sports betting, led in part by the positioning of the leagues now, is that it's a form of sports engagement. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's going to be, we're seeing it now in the U.S., university programs that are geared to careers in this industry. And, you know, the same way that you can graduate now from, from U of T, and, and, and go work for, for a marketing company or one right. of the big banks, you know, you can now go work for, for a legislative gaming company and it offers a real career opportunity, whether you want to work on the analytics side or the marketing side or maybe become a trader. These are great opportunities and great careers and, and culturally going to become more and more culturally acceptable as, as, as the industry finds its fit within the Ontario marketplace. Um, and, and as we move away from one week of negative media coverage and find our find our sweet spot as it pertains to what the right balance is uh, on the advertising side. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Benji. And the, the one thing, uh, one section of the newsletter I really enjoy putting together every week is people on the move because it's really, uh, you know, the inspiration for that was uh, was what Abe Madcor at Sports Business Daily did. 30 i guess about 30 years ago now with executive transactions and sports business day that came about I, I think people love reading about people and to your point you know a great example of that is is Brittany almeida who i think's with, with us here on linkedin audio today and, and who i interviewed yesterday for next week's newsletter but Brittany had been working in partnerships at uh, at tsn with with jamie saul and his team 
and uh, made the move uh, within the last couple of weeks to join Low Six as a director of sales and strategy. And, and Brittany mentioned to me yesterday that she's, uh, you know, she's been a sports better for a while, and and she's really excited about the opportunity to work in the gaming industry and and work with a company that like Low Six that that has relationships with the PGA Tour and NHL and other professional sports leagues and, and organizations. So that that's exactly the kind of opportunity that uh, that you talk about. Um, Sue, because we haven't had you here before, and I, I would love to get your thoughts on this. And again, I'm going to borrow uh, borrow Gavin's soapbox to, to jump on it. And and uh, mentioned this in newsletter again this morning. I've talked about it frequently. I've written about it. And again, with these brand ambassador deals, it just it feels to me that um, that uh, everybody from the operators to to the marketing agents to the to the brands themselves have have dropped the ball when it comes to making sure that responsible gambling is, is part of those campaigns. And uh, if you saw the newsletter this morning, you saw that uh, we embedded a YouTube video of, uh, of Archie, Eli, and Peyton Manning with with their Caesars campaign and just doing a 30-second spot on, on gambling responsibly. And it just feels to me, Sue, that, that something as simple as that would help uh, help maybe alleviate some of the criticism that's been directed. I would agree with that. And, and uh, well, you know, first of all, I wanted to let you know that I really appreciated your very concrete steps and advice to people uh, as they're out, you know, talking on behalf of the industry, because I think you had some really good tips there in terms of making sure that we incorporate that stuff in. And I did see that that clip from the Mannings. And that is the kind of thing that's that's going to be really critical, I think, in the future. Um, I think where we get ourselves in trouble, I mean, look at it on, on the college level. We had a call this morning with somebody from one of the conferences, um, the, you know, college athletic conferences. And, you know, the whole thing, in, in some cases, there were people doing existing student-athlete uh, brand ambassadors and things like that. I mean, I think people have to be just really cautious about what the impacts of some of their decisions are going to be, uh, and and think about well, you know, how how really is this going to be viewed, and will it help fuel the backlash, or is it uh, you know going to be something that will help counter it? Yeah, I think that Benji's point too. There is a there is a role for. Um, operators and companies in the industry to play with with uh with universities because as benji mentioned there there are a lot of opportunities now to work in this industry and and do really cool jobs and and you know i i've had a chance to see it in the past two years even even with what we've done at parlay media group and and gavin and mike and mark silver and the other partners uh getting in this industry and, and wearing the hats that we wore most of our careers and getting a chance to do something different uh, wearing those hats and uh, I do think there is an opportunity for sports book operators or, or tech companies to show to universities that there are career paths in this industry that are they're awfully fulfilling. And it's something that Kelly Brooks talks about with quarter four and, and the increase in the number of resumes that she gets from engineering students now who who have, you know, discovered that this is a pretty dynamic and innovative uh, innovative industry. Uh, Gavin, any any or Mike, any last thoughts on this topic before we move on? Uh, no, I think uh, it's just I'm, I'm interested in watching, like many of us, um, what lies ahead in the next few weeks with the Super Bowl. It's our first Super Bowl in a regulated uh, climate up here. So I think uh, uh, that bombardment ain't going to slow down anytime soon. But, uh, um, you know, again, looking at those more unique 
ways of leveraging rights. So many of the brands, the books have NFL rights. Now it's up to them to step out of the advertising, you know, um, pot and do something interesting to capture the minds and the hearts and the, the, the you know, with a sense of humor and all that. And that's why that Gronk piece um, is, a, is a good um, example of that. But watching for more of that kind of uh, marketing uh, activation versus pure advertising. Right. Mike? Yeah, I was, I was just going to go back to a couple of points people were making about ambassadors and celebrity ambassadors I, I think where more attention was became in focus and perhaps more negative was when we moved into the young guns and i'll start specifically hockey when you got david and matthews uh, and, and folks like that i think that's really when things started to turn in terms of people's uh, thoughts about that um less so i think on the retired uh, folks headed by the Wayne Gretzies, but I think more so when we got to the new young gun stars uh, who are, you know, idolized if people still, young people still idolize sports figures like we used to in the past, but I think that was a, a defining moment. I agree I'll, I'll with you 100% on that. I'll, I'll add in one comment as it pertains to the ambassador side as well, uh, Steve and Mike agree with some of your sentiments there is that I don't know. I think that some of the sports book operators over time will shy away from uh, spending the bigger dollars for this type of representation, where it's really hard to see what the what the benefit is. I'm really much more interested on my end, you know, hiring Wayne Gretzky or Connor McDavid to endorse your product. It's really obvious that they're just being paid some passive dollars to hop on a commercial or right. do one activation promotion and. I think the public, you know, generally views it that way. And I, I don't know how great an impact it actually has. I think it's really more interesting for me when I see, uh, you know, a, an influencer or an athlete like a Jake Paul get involved in the day-to-day -day operations of a company in the way that he has. And it'll be interesting to see if any other athletes follow suit in that capacity to actually really get involved in a more meaningful way rather than just lending their name for X dollars on a passive basis, I think that ship will sail over time. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Benji. And again, again, it just, uh, you know, you wonder when a lottery corporation like OLG gives money to John Tavares to be tied to their ProLine Plus, is that really uh, a wise a wise spending of, of dollars? And, and again, I think there's a conversation also to be had on whether or not, you know, athletes who are still still competing in a, in a league or, or a federation or organization should be, should be tied to a sports book operator. But that's it, Steve, the, the, the John Tavares uh, investments on behalf of OLG might be a good one. If the Leafs win a playoff series, one of these years. <laughs> too, too shape, too from the Montreal. Ouch. Unnecessary. <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're filing that one under, yeah, under, send you under a high sticking. Higher how your Habs are doing this year <laughs> in a second. I, I, I live in Vegas, so I'm a VGK guy these days, and we're doing just fine, so oh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Don't invite him back, Steve. Yeah, no, I just looked up, band, <laughs> I just looked up bandwagon in my Webster's, and I saw Benji's picture there, so there, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we're almost ready to wrap up here. I, I just, just one more question on, on this topic, uh, Sue and Benji, and I – you know, it, it it does feel like, and and again, I, I'm not uh, I'm I'm someone who spent a, an awful big chunk of my career as a mainstream media person, so this isn't piling on the mainstream media. But um, I I almost wonder 
if the the gaming industry could be doing more to uh, to to get those good news stories in in the mainstream media outlets and and uh, uh, Sue again and Benji because you've been around this industry a lot longer than I have I, I just wonder what your thoughts are on that and I'll start with you Sue. Well, I think always. I mean, you know, again, a lot of these, um, a, a lot of companies in the industry do do great things, whether it's, you know, charitable financing that they're doing with local nonprofits or volunteer time or whatever. Uh, and plus, you know, I want to go back for a second to the, to the university students. Uh, you know, I've been on uh, St. Louis U's sports management programs board for a couple of years and have worked on a couple of, of projects with them. And, you know, it's tremendous to see, again, I, I'm just so pleased with the young folks that I run into that um, are taking to this and, and with a lot of the stigma that has been kind of uh, falling away again, like, you know, it's not your uncle Vinny that's breaking, breaking knees or anything. So it's become more corporate and it's seen as that. And it's seen by those young people, uh, as, as a great career opportunity. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that side of it. And Benji, we'll give the final word to you. Yeah, look, it's a lot easier for the fifth estate to spin a negative story than a positive story. But, you know, on the flip side, over time, you look at companies like points bets in Canada and some of the the partnerships that they're doing and the way that they're promoting sports engagement and some of the smaller communities across the country. I think there's some positives there. You look at some of the things that the score does and how they onboard people and, and help grow people's careers and things along those. I think there are a lot of positives that we can point to positive stories in conjunction with uh, all stakeholders in the industry, but uh, we probably have to do a better job of telling that story moving forward. Right. Um, listen, uh, Benji Cherniak, the principal of Avenue H Capital, really appreciate you having you back here, Benji. It's been been a while since we've had you in this forum. So uh, there's always an, always an open invitation for you to join us. And uh, Sue Schneider, the, the vice president of growth and strategy Americas for SBC, this is long overdue to get you, uh, get you on this Thursday afternoon conversation. Uh, really grateful for you to, to spend an hour with us and, and, uh, uh, again, on behalf of Gavin and, and Mike and Mark Silver and all of us at Parley Media Group, we're, we are uh, sincerely excited about the opportunity to, to collaborate with SBC, and and uh, you know we're we're looking forward to having a, a, a bigger role with with you and Bob and Christian and the, the rest of the folks at SBC for the uh, for the North American summits this year. Well, thank you. It's been a fun conversation. I enjoyed it. And as always, appreciate the audience for joining us. Uh, Gavin and Mike, thank thank you very much for for picking up the ball this week with with both Amanda Brewer and, and Will Hill uh, uh, not not able to join us. Um, just mention again, if if you haven't already done so, to our audience, please uh, subscribe to the Gaming News Canada newsletter. Um, uh, it's a it's a pretty good one stop destination to get everything that's going on in the industry. Uh, thanks again to all of our guests. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing everybody back here a week from today, okay? Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week, and please be safe. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.